0: Well, hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Late Point Church and Merry Christmas. Yeah, great, great. Y'all slept in a little bit this morning, maybe? No? Some of you went Christmas shopping? Did some of you finish Christmas shopping this morning? Is that well, Okay. I see some hands up there. You know, I think there's a little chance after the service, if you still got to go Christmas shopping, I think you can go to CVS. I think, you know, that's always a fail safe. You know, if you need to go there, one last gift, one last little, you know, thing to get. But man, we are so glad that you're here, and, uh, and thank you. This is our third service, and our first two services were well, well well attended. And this, and uh, we want to share what we get for two o'clock. And this is a great crowd for two o'clock. And just thank you for being here. And uh, Pastor Tom mentioned earlier, um, as you came in, you should have received a program, and inside the program, it, it's a connection card. And inside that, you know, if you can take that connection card, let us know who you are, fill that out, and. And how can we pray for you in the back? And then as you leave, there's places in the offering boxes, you know, offering kiosks. You can drop it in one of those offering kiosks or you can give it to me. And uh, and just uh, let us know um, a little bit about you and and thank you for being here. And and we have a free gift to give to all of our first-time guests. If you're here and it's your first time, I'd love to meet you after the service. And uh, again, I'll be out in this lobby and uh, I'll be looking for you. And uh, also, Tom mentioned, this is the... A special offering today and everything that we collect goes to international mission and you can give by you know putting something in the offering box you know offering kiosk or you can give online there's a little qr code behind me you know if, if that helps you that the you know as well as the website and, uh, and and again everything we collect unless it was it's otherwise designated and everything we collect gonna go to international mission from here, there, and everywhere. And uh, so I hope that you'll be a part of that. And so, well, I I just, uh, again, Christmas is just the greatest time of the year for me. I love Christmas. And uh, when I think about Christmas, Christmas is a season for seeking. Seeking and searching. It seems that everywhere we turn these days, we find someone who is searching, locating, looking, trying to find something. We're driving to the shopping centers, searching for the perfect parking space, right? We we, we bounce from store to store, searching for the perfect gift. We walk through the nurseries, searching for the prettiest Christmas trees. We search through invitations, looking for, searching for the best party to attend. We're going to our closets, searching for the best outfit to wear. We, we thumb through cookbooks, searching for the best recipe to make. We surf through channels, either searching for the best movie to watch or the best football game to watch. We look in our houses, Searching for the best place to hide before all the relatives shows up, and then last but not least, we search in our wallet looking for the best credit card to pay for it all. It is the season for seeking, and this attitude for seeking goes all the way back to that very very first Christmas two thousand years ago. And we see in Matthew chapter 2, we see these wise men. These wise men were wealthy, powerful people in the Middle East. And they were doing the whole astronomy thing, studying the stars. And one day, these wise men noticed a brand new star. In fact, it was the star that they had been hoping that they would see in their lifetime. It was a star that was going to signify to them a sign that a newborn king, a special baby, a special king that would be born, not just for one nation, but for all of mankind. And they saw that star, and they were really excited about that star. And so they, they, the Bible said they packed up their you know, the, the finest luggage, loaded up the camels, and they started the journey across the desert a thousand miles or so long to go to a place that they've never been to, to a city that they've never seen, that little city was called Jerusalem. And they showed up at that place, and they started asking about this new baby. They started asking about this new king. In fact, they asked the question in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2. The Bible says that they asked, hey, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews we saw his star and we have come to worship him and the Bible said in verse number three that when King Herod he was the king of Jerusalem in that region when he heard this the Bible said that he was disturbed and not only was he disturbed but all of Jerusalem was disturbed as well. You see, King Herod, he was not interested in another competition for the throne. In fact, he had a reputation that if you even, you know, thought about taking the throne or, you know, to to take him on -on one-on-one, then he would take you out. You would be done for. In fact, when he was a young man, he saw his dad, who was also a king. His dad was murdered poisoned by a bunch of palace officials. And so he saw all that happening, and so he naturally became the next king, and when he became king at 25 years of age, the, one, the very first thing he did was he threw a big party. The biggest party in the land. And he made sure that he got everybody that was involved in that conspiracy to take out his dad. He made sure that they had a special seat at the party. And in the middle of that party, he called in the hitmen, and the hitmen showed up and took care of business and wiped out all those who were involved in in, in poisoning his dad. And and that's how King Herod started off his 30-year reign as king. And, and, And again, over and over and over again, we see the same pattern, all about seeking power and control. That's what King Herod, he was all about power. And anyone that was a threat to that power, he would take out, including his own grandmother and her brother. They, they, he thought, man, they, they're, a little, they're a little anxious for the throne, and he took them out. His three sons, he had them taken out. One, a week before King Herod died. King Herod knew he was dying, everybody knew what was happening. And he just thought that his one son was a little too anxious for the throne. And he said, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. He took him out. So this guy was, you know, I would say a little mental, a little psycho, you know, a little messed up. He was all about the power. And then we got the wise men. They're skipping into town. They start announcing, hey, we're here to worship the new king. And all of Jerusalem are like this. Shh. Because we know that when King Herod ain't happy, ain't nobody happy in J-Town. And so, you know, King Herod, he, he rounds up the scientists and, 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 the, and the religious leaders and you know, the scribes. He said, hey, what's going on about this newborn king? What's this rumor? Why did wise men show up? And so they studied the scriptures, they saw the prophecies. They go back to King Herod and said, there's going to be a Messiah, a a, a new king that will be born in the town of Bethlehem. And so right away, King Herod circled Bethlehem and put Bethlehem in the crosshairs of his power rifle. Now he needs to know how old is this child? So he brings up the wise men. Now he rolls out the red carpet for the wise men. I mean, he treated them like kings. He, 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 he He's the buddy. He said, hey God, so glad you showed up to town. I hear that you came to worship this new king. I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more about this king. You know, how old do you think this king is? You know, how long has this star been out? And And, 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 the, and the wise men, they kind of bought into it. They said, well, yeah, he's been born about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. And I said, oh, that's great. I'll tell you what, why don't you guys go? Find the baby, find that child, go ahead and worship, but do me a favor. I need the address. Come back and see me. Give me the address so that I could go down to Bethlehem and worship him too. And the wise men said, sure. And you see, King Herod, he's all about his power. He's seeking and searching for more power. The difference between King Herod and the wise men is where the Herod is all about the power and seeking the power. The wise men, they weren't interested in keeping the power. They were searching the power. They were searching the way, the truth, and the life. And and so these guys, they they leave King Herod, and I love verse 9, after they have heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen, it rose, it went ahead of them until a stop over the place where the child was. The wise men had an earthbound travel guide, a star to point them to Jesus. Now, I want to just stop here for a minute because this is a powerful thought. I wish I could just stay here for a little bit long, longer, but we don't have as much time. But I just want to think about this. Before you became a Christian, do you remember those days? Because I know, I recognize that a lot of us here, we have a relationship with God. But before you met God, you were floundering, searching, Lost, you didn't know where you were going, and then there was somebody who became a star that pointed you to Jesus. When you think about that star, I want you to put a name to that star. Maybe there's a couple of names. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it was a teacher, a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a youth pastor. You know, maybe it was a coach, a friend. But they became a star and they pointed you to Jesus. And the wise men, they had a star that pointed them to Jesus. In verse number 11, the Bible says that they came to the house. They came to the house. Now, this really kind of messes up everybody's nativity scene. Uh, you've got the nativity scene in your living room. You've got the baby Jesus in the manger, right? You've got the cows, you know, you've got the, you know, the sheep, the shepherds. And then we got the wise men. And it looked really great in our living room, but it's not really accurate at all. You see, the the shepherds were there in the stable with Jesus with the manger, and there's Mary and Joseph. But this is a house. In other words, this is two years later. Jesus didn't live in a barn for for all of his childhood. Eventually, he did move into a little home with a nice little white picket fence and a dog. Okay, it had all these things. And, And so Jesus was there. And, and so they, they came to the house, and they saw the child. And I, and, and I love the humility of this. Because this is Jesus, and, and, and although Jesus is 100% God, we also need to understand he was 100% man. And so here was two-year-old baby Jesus, running around, most likely in his diapers. You know, he had, you know, he get fussy, He gets happy, he gets needy, he gets sleepy, all within five minutes. And they came, and the Bible said they saw the child, this little baby child named Jesus, with his mother Mary. And then this is the humility. These multi-millionaires, these power players, these men that were so well versed in, in science, The Bible said that they bow down and they worship Jesus. They recognized that the baby child that they were looking at would one day grow up to be a man, a perfect man, who would live a spotless life, who would die on a old rugged cross for all of mankind, including them. They knew that this child will one day die on that cross, be buried, and will rise again. And they worship him. They didn't get too big in their head and say, oh, this is just a baby. They recognized that this was not some ordinary baby. They were gonna die for their sins. Of the whole world. The whole world. They have found Jesus. They traveled thousands of miles and they finally found the one that they were looking for. And as you think about the search, two thousand years later, there are people still seeking and searching. They're still looking for something to give them the satisfaction in their life that they've long desired. We're searching for the perfect relationship. Searching for that job, that promotion. We're searching for achievement. We're searching for a certain look. And we work and we work and we work and we're trying to fill this hole that every. A person has been born with this God-sized hole. We're trying to fill that hole with something. And it might bring us some satisfaction for a short little bit. But then we get hungry again. We know that there's more to the story. That there's more to our life. And it doesn't quite fill that hole. And we search and we search and we search the whole world over. And we can't find what we're looking for. The story of Muhammad Ali, one of the greatest sponsors of all time. He was in his retirement days, you know, before he passed away, and, and Sports Illustrated sent a reporter to him, and they went to his house. And they interviewed him. And while he was there in the house, he was like, I'd love to see all your memorabilia, all your trophies, all your championship belts. i love to see all the things. And, and, and so Muhammad said, okay, it's upstairs. And he takes them upstairs to the house, but not just upstairs in a room, he took them upstairs in the attic. He crawled up in the attic and and see all of his stuff, all the things that he's wanted over the years, collecting dust and cobwebs. And the reporter was a little confused and said, I don't understand. You have all of these achievements and accomplishments and they're up here, hidden from the public, collecting dust. And Muhammad Ali, as he starts to weep, he looks at the reporter and says, you know, I had the world by its tail. And there ain't nothing. You see, we go after things, we go after stuff, we go after achievement and promotions, relationships. And at the end of the day, still searching for something that we're missing. In 1987, one of the greatest bands of all time, the band called U2, he said, Pastor Scott, you listen to U2 every now and then, okay? they wrote a song in 1987, a masterpiece. Probably one of the most famous songs that they've written it got popular back then and it kind of went through a cycle. And in the last five to ten years, it kind of went through a, a revival of a sort and it got re-pop, you know, popular again to a new generation. That song is called I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And the, and the reason I believe this song is so popular is that it resonates so deep inside all of us. I've climbed highest mountains. I've run through the fields. I've scaled the city walls. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Perhaps this describes you. You're here today, you've been searching, and you haven't found what you're looking for. Maybe the reason why you haven't found what you're looking for. It's because it's actually somebody, somebody who's looking for you. And he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to choose him and to receive him into your life. You see, my friend, only Jesus can satisfy only Jesus can fill that hole in your heart. Not just for this life, but for all of eternity. The 23rd Psalms, one of the most loved Psalms in the Bible. It begins that with the Lord is my shepherd. He's all I need. I should not be in want. He's all I need. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, oftentimes, instead of being sheep, and recognizing that he's the shepherd. Let's just face it. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we're billy goats. I will read a verse, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, but I'm in want. We headbutt, but God, but God, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I want to get. And we chase after everything else. And we don't find the satisfaction that only Jesus wants to bring. You see, the wise men, they found the one who they were looking for. And it changed their life. Look at verse 12. And having been warned in a dream, not to go back to Herod, the Bible said they returned to their country by another route. You see, when you truly meet God, when you truly meet the Lord, you'll leave in a different way. In fact, you'll leave here differently than the way you came. You see, Jesus, he wants to change your life, he wants to change you. And when you meet him, and accept him into your life, you become changed. I pray for you here in the next few minutes is that you will leave here differently than the way you came, because you finally found the one that you've been looking for. Touched, bow and I close. Perhaps there's someone here today You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You never recognize the fact that he, and he alone, can save you. And today, you say, God, today, I want Jesus to come into my life, and I want him to be my Lord. I'm tired of chasing after all this other stuff. It brings me satisfaction for a short little bit, then I get tired, I get hungry again. But today, I know that I need Jesus and him alone. And if that's true today, no one's looking. It says, God, that's what I need to do. The Bible said that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, right where you're sitting, you can call on him and today you can be saved. In other words, he can come into your life and be your savior today. It's not a seven-day or a seven-step program or a 40-day journey. The Bible said that today can be the day of your salvation. You can leave here today different than the way you came. And all you have to do is cry out to him. And in the next minute here, I'm gonna pray a prayer. I call it the sinner's prayer you i not praying it to me. You're going to pray to a holy God who is here in this moment. He is listening to you right where you are. And he will meet you where you are. He says, God, you don't understand what I've done. doesn't matter. My friend, God loves you. Whatever you've done, he's willing to come into your mess and forgive you of your sins. And today, you can do that. You can do that by crying out a prayer, by praying this prayer in the silence of your heart. And here's the prayer. Dear God, I am a sinner. And I have been searching for satisfaction all in the wrong places. But today, I recognize that only you and you alone can come into my life. And you can save me. You can fulfill all the desires of my heart. You can forgive me my sins. And give me a new life. Thank you for coming. To a manger. Living a perfect life. Dying on the cross. For me. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for saving me. That's by night I closed. I had about eight, nine people already in the first two services responded to the call of invitation. And if you say, God, I pray that prayer. All I'm asking for you today, all I'm asking for you is just to look right at me. If you ask Jesus, you pray that prayer, you ask Jesus Christ to come in your life, just look at me. I see you. We we'll make eye contact. I see a couple of eyes looking at me. I say, I pray that prayer. And I ask Jesus to come into my life. I see about four or five people looking at me right now. I say, I pray that prayer. I want you to keep looking at me for just a minute. I want you to know that today, I'm so proud of you. Today is the greatest day of your life. Because today is the day You found the one, the one that you've been looking for. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us today. Thank you for those that made a decision for you to come into their life. God, I pray that they will live a new life and leave with a fresh outlook, a fresh path in the way that they should live. God, I pray for those who are Christians who've been wandered off. But today, they tired of playing billy goat. God, I pray that they'll become a sheep, a lamb, and to follow and trust you. Oh, you are a shepherd. You're all that I need. And I'm satisfied in you. And so, God, we thank you that you came, you were born, so that you could grow up, so that you can lay down your life for all of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Would you stand with us? You know, as we talk about Loving Jesus and also celebrating this season right now, we're gonna sing a song called, O Holy Night. You know what holy means? It means sacred. It means so so special that there is spiritual power behind it and our God is holy. So for now, I would love to have a moment where we're gonna move towards our candlelight service in the next song. And I hope that this idea when we talk about stars shining, or we talk about God doing something holy in our lives, that you would just have a moment where you pause, you just say, God, thank you that I'm here. Because I know that we are thanking God that you're here today. So would you sing with us? Paul who wrote most of the New Testament was a difficult and troubled man Uh, we know at one point that he hated Christians so much that he was actually trying to track them down and kill them and then this thing happened to him where Jesus approached him personally and I believe the Tom translation would say Paul what's up (laughs) why are we why are you persecuting me and my people He goes through a hard season of life. He eventually loses his eyesight. And over time, he not only falls in love with Jesus, but he really falls in love with people, where people aren't just about who he agrees with and disagrees with, he has compassion for them. And then he helps start this dream that Jesus had called the church. And church is tricky. Church is filled with people, so holy smokes, it can be a mess with people, can't it? So when he was trying to describe to his church what he wanted them to be like, he had this great line, he said, "And I want you to shine like stars." You know, Christmas, Christmas is, is wonderful. I feel like whatever's happening at Christmas, though, in your life at the time, whether it's something physical or something emotional or relational, because again, people are around here, everything gets elevated. So if you're sad, whoa, boy. If you're happy, all right. If you're nostalgic, bring it on. But to shine like a star, I I mean, right now, what's happening is we think Christmas Eve is literally, or not think, we know that this physically is the darkest day of the year. And if you wanna understand something about the Lord, look at the story of the perfect Son of God showing up in a manger surrounded by farm animals into the darkest into the dirtiest place he brings light and I love it that in order to fulfill prophecy what had to show up a star a star that we are still trying to study that we still set compasses by that we are still an absolute wonder of and then he says hey for those of us who have been changed by what was heralded by a star it is our turn to shine like stars and another amazing thing, we talked about it at one point, like, should we not do candles this year? They make a mess. <laughs> maybe we should just give them the glow sticks. And I, I, how often do we just walk around with candles anymore? And what you're going to see here, or maybe you've seen it, you know, over the decades many times, where eventually we turn off all the lights in the room and it's just the candlelight. And we're going to sing Silent Night together. And we're going to sing it like a worship song because we want to remember two things. Our God is good, and you have a light to share. This room is not as bright without you. So we sing together. And on those times, if everything is elevated in your heart, maybe you're lonely right now. Not right now, you're not. And maybe you're wondering if you're not, like, if you're ever wondering if you're going to have a place to connect with. No, right now, it matters, because all of us are going to hold candles together. You are so loved, my friends. And I just ask you that for one moment, in all of the noise of your life, at 2 p.m., 3 (laughs) p.m.-ish, on a Sunday, have a quiet, silent night. Will you sing with us? Near the end, we'll light the candle.
2: Oh.
0: The darker the night, the brighter the light. And that light is none other than the Lord Jesus. May I blow out your candles. We're going to pray in just a minute before we leave. Now, we've got baskets. You can throw these away. You can take the clothes home. The kids will love them. Don't forget, if you are a guest, I'd love to meet you. You can drop your connection cards in the kiosk. Give it to me. We've got a gift for you. Um, given you know, all order, you know, the, everything that we collect go to mission. I, I want to say we're going to do this in the first two services, but I just want to recognize real quick. Just can we do this for a minute? You guys are special. You guys are my favorite crowd. All right, you guys are awesome. But our worship team, our tech team, they have been working hard, hard on it, all week and all day. Can we just give it up for them? Let's just. Let's, And our band worship team back there Thank you and our camera guys in the back and so let's pray God we thank you for this day we thank you for this season oh God I know that tomorrow and the next day or two we're going to be busy with presents family gatherings food all the stuff that we love to do but God in the midst of all of it I pray that we don't miss the Christ in Christmas. And so, God, I pray that you bless us the next couple of days as we reflect on what you've done for us and we go out forth when we leave here as lights, little lights, carrying the gospel, your gospel, to a broken, dark world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Merry Christmas.